brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hey, y'all, welcome back to Mountain Murders, and it is time for our Thanksgiving extravaganza. Yes, Thanksgiving. What a good movie. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so how are you doing, Heather? I have made a pilgrimage to the dining room table. Yes. Where I stuffed my face with turkey and pumpkin pie. Yes, we're, we're pre-gaming for when we actually cook the big meal. It's true. <laughs> and my son calls it the feast. That's that's aptly. We will be feasting on Saturday, but today we had a mini Thanksgiving meal because I felt bad not preparing anything. You know, I just like couldn't let it go. Yeah, so you had to you had to do something. Yeah, so I made a really small Thanksgiving dinner. It was like a Thanksgiving lunch. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but it had dessert. So, I mean, how could you go wrong? We have dessert all the time. I don't know why this surprises you. It's because I'm so sweet. I love baking. What can I What can I say? You just suck on my finger sometimes as a treat. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have me confused with someone else. No, you do it all the time. Don't be embarrassed now. You have me confused with one of your other wives. No. Or husbands. No, I only have um, room in my life for one wife. Is that true? Yeah. You only need one telling you what to do? Yeah, I mean... I, I need help. We need... We need... Your wife needs a wife. You know... I'm telling you, we need a wife, okay? It would make my life so much easier. In theory, well, then why can't I get another a husband to, like, do the things around the house I don't want to do? That sounds awesome. Yeah, maybe he'll be, like, handy. Is there is there, like, a couple out there who wants to become our husband and wife? Yes. Who wants to join our husband and wife team? It's going to be platonic. We're yeah. just going to split bills and uh, house chores. Chores, yes, <laughs> yes. So we need someone who's um, enjoys cleaning, cooking, and fixing odd odd jobs around the house. And, and I'm not signing but that. Someone that doesn't take six months to like hang a picture when I ask. I'm not That'd assigning nice. gender to any of those tasks because I'm totally fine with the man or the woman or whoever doing those tasks. So we're not going to sign gender to the jobs, you know, if she can, you know, is good, handy with a spackler and can like drywall and shit, that's fine. If he is a, well, I'm a domestic goddess, so it's going to be hard for any other man to keep up with me in that realm. No, would you agree? Yeah, you're, you're fairly domestic. When I get crunk up and going, son, I'm unstoppable you force. Are, and I'll let you because, you know, I don't like being domestic. I have not noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I have not noticed that at all. What are you saying? No. That I don't do a good job? It's, you smile and hum when you do dishes. It's weird. You used to enjoy it so much. I begrudgingly do it, but you know what? The house is fucking clean, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I'm not saying it's not. Hmm. I think we should change the subject. What? When you think... Okay. So when you think of the holiday Thanksgiving... You know, what, what comes to your mind, Dylan? What images do you think? Turkeys, pilgrims? Well, I'm not as much a traditionalist, but... Um, a cornucopia <clears throat> of fruit? Yes. Um, <laughs> a bountiful uh, harvest? Wow, you're nailing all the things I don't think of. Um, I think of, I guess, large groups, gathering, family, um, eating good... You know, the cliche. Eating uh, good in the neighborhood. Some people like to watch football on Thanksgiving. Do they? 
You don't know that? Oh, okay. Well, there's two uh, sets of teams. That, well, let's see, what is it? Detroit Lions and the Cowboys always play each other on Thanksgiving. That's one of the sets. I think there's two, but I know they do. Oh, Detroit has a football team? Detroit Lions. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then uh, a lot of people making plans for Black Friday. You know, I think we need to bring the stampeding Black Friday back. I miss the stampedes. This month-long Black Friday sales bullshit is not working for me because I always like to walk, and I would never go out in it, even though they have the great deals or I whatever. I did it one time, and it was a spectacle. But I like to watch the aftermath. Of course, people truly do get hurt, and that's not cool, and I'm, I'm, I understand. But when you see the, the uh, people that's been outside for like hours... Like at the at doors, the Buy. and it looks like a damn zombie movie so they can or something. Get like a ten dollar tablet. <laughs> yeah, and the poor workers, uh, associates that have to open those gates, and the people are literally running in, knocking each other down. That is, um, that's gross. That's very gross to me, and I think it kind of shines a spotlight on uh, some of the bad things and ideals we have here in America in consumerism. Yes. So, obviously, I'm kidding, and I'm glad that they have <laughs> had to stop doing that because uh, people were uh, getting killed, trampled to death. Now, I can imagine dying would suck anyway, right? I don't think there's any good way to die. But being trampled in some kind of a crowd event or something like that seems like a very terrible way to go. Would yes. you agree? Yes. Yeah. So would... Choking on a turkey leg. Well, yeah. Right? Yeah. But I think that would uh, has a little more dignity to it. Well, Dylan, we are here today not to talk about feasting and celebration on Thanksgiving Day, but we're here to talk about people killing, dying, or vanishing. This episode is dedicated to creepy Thanksgiving crimes. And I bet there's some doozies in there. Oh, there are some good ones. Let's kick it off with one of the most famous stories that has actually sort of become like an American folk folktale. Okay. Okay? And I'm talking about hijacker D.B. Cooper disappeared in the sky on Thanksgiving Eve. I did not realize that was on Thanksgiving Day. It is the only unsolved case of hijacking and air piracy in the the United States' history, and it happened the night before Thanksgiving back in 1971. Now, if you're unfamiliar with this crime, and unless you live under a rock, I don't know how you could not know about D.B. Cooper. This guy calling himself Dan Cooper, later D.B. by the media for unknown reasons, but that name stuck, boarded a Northwest Airlines flight number 305 out in Portland, bound for Seattle. Mid-flight, he revealed to the flight attendant that he had a bomb in his carry-on bag, actually showed it to the flight attendant, and then promptly uh, conducted the politest hijacking ever. <laughs> uh, you know, it's always been such a mystery surrounding D.B. Cooper and I mean, honestly, they've beat that story to death. I, I think if you uh, are any type of a fan of true crime, you've heard D.B. Cooper. Because it's just so fucking fascinating, Dylan. But it is very strange, and there's so many theories as to what actually happened to him. Well, he got the plane to land in Seattle, demanded $200,000 in cash, and two sets of parachutes. After these items and demands were met um, by the airline and the FBI was involved at this point, Cooper released the passengers and instructed the flight crew to take off for Mexico City. Now, shortly after the flight began, Cooper sent the flight attendant to the cockpit for safety. He strapped on one of the parachutes, opened the plane's rear stairs, and jumped out, only to become a fucking legend. So he straps on a parachute, he's got his satchel with $200,000 in it, and he just jumps. Well, no trace of Cooper was ever found, Dylan, but some of the money he stole was recovered from a forest outside of Portland many years later. But the man himself and his true identity remains a mystery to this day. Cooper became a legend and, as I mentioned, like a bit of a folk hero because of his boldness and they also noted his incredibly polite demeanor. 
So he wasn't maniacally screaming or threatening everyone. He just politely showed them the bomb, told them what he wanted them to do, or else, I'm sure. Please, sir, may I have some more money? Don't make me detonate this bomb. Yes. And uh, what do you think really happened to DB? Do you think he got away? I do. So I'm not sure about what type of airliner this was, how big it was. But um, it would be... Was a big old jet airliner that's going to carry him and his money far away. See, here's the thing. That's not made for jumping out of at, at altitude, in altitude. You see what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. But I feel like this was a guy who had training. Okay. Yeah, because that is a... Um, They've never found a body. And I'm sure they scoured... You know they did. ...a 50-mile radius around where he jumped. They've never, ever recovered a body. Never recovered, like, the full amount of money. I just... I think this was a person who had some training, whether it was military, like a paratrooper... Or a pilot. I feel like this is a person who had some experience in training. And I think he got away. So do you think that the small, or the partial um, amount of money they found was Plus maybe... Plus, we don't know exactly like what the altitude was when he jumped. We, we don't know how high. he. Maybe he had them kind of drop down when he jumped out. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'll, I'm not I mean, sure. I'll, I'll I don't be have cons- the details in front of me. I'd be concerned about uh, uh, jet exhaust, uh, things like that, striking you as you leave the plane. But, I mean, it had a set of uh, rear stairs. So, I mean, that's going to be a good thing. Um, But do you think the small amount of money they found is maybe from the bag striking the ground, him spilling some, and hastily, uh, you know, clearing out of the area? Now, if he's planned this out this well, and I'm honestly surprised that they – cooperated with him, gave, met his demands. And this may be one of the reasons, you know, later down the line, they decided they not to do that with hijackers. But um, he may have had a, an accomplice, someone on the ground, someone with a vehicle. Right, exactly. So the FBI, Dylan, did finally give up on looking for him altogether and actually closed its case on Cooper in 2009 without ever solving it. Wow. So he got away, basically. He did. One way or the other. Yeah. In life or death. He was never held accountable for his actions. Right. So we can bring another Steve Miller Band song into this. And and the flock crew. Go on, take the money and run. The flock crew was like, thank you, Mr. Cooper. It's been nice having you. Yes. Okay. Thank you for flying the friendly skies. Bye-bye. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he would never make it nowadays. You know, he would be um, asked to leave the plane if he's not wearing his mask and things like that. Maybe he's not cooperating. Um, politeness might not get him through today. Could be an air marshal. Could be an air marshal. They'd be able to trace him with like facial recognition software, DNA. Oh, yeah. Well, they would They would be tracking the plane with a, a, a live satellite and they would know everything that happened. It just made it like really hard for people to commit cool crimes. Well, people still attempt it. Because I'm sorry, but that's a cool crime. <clears throat> well, I mean, it's that's just... That's like an Ocean's Eleven kind of crime, right? Like, there's some things like a group of people knocking over a casino and getting away with the money. I mean, you're like, yeah, cool. Stick it to the man. I don't know why, but I love caper movies. I love a good caper, too. Or a good con. And I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. Like well, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? Yeah. The Sting? Is Yes. Which has been emulated in you know many many times, even if they don't admit it. I do love me some. Porn. I mean, Ocean's Eleven was definitely. Well, of course, that was a remake as well. But the Italian uh, job. The Italian job. Of course, all remakes. Yes. Okay, moving along, Dylan. We're going to talk about the popular smiley face killer. <sighs> this this is a case that just baffles me, and um, I don't know. It's scary. Because it is tied to a lot of uh, murders and deaths around the country, all over the country. But I almost want it to be true for some weird reason. Because, uh, I don't know, what do you think? Well, the smiley face killer is more of a theory. 
But there is a lot of, um, I guess, circumstances that kind of tie it together where it's a pretty good theory, really. Yeah, it's a decent theory. So this theory claims that there's a cabal of serial killers operating across the United States and they target young white male college students. They dump their bodies in rivers, sometimes lakes or ponds, bodies of water. They erase the physical evidence, and then they draw a smiley face at the dump site in order to taunt police. Yeah, like graffiti, typically. Exactly. The deaths are normally written off by law enforcement as like an accident or a drunken, you know, like a drunken accident. This was a person who was drunk and fell in the river and drowned. So that leads me to believe there's no obvious signs of uh, trauma to the body. I mean, uh, short of uh, what might happen if you're in water. Yes. Or if you were to fall and strike your head, maybe. But there's no stabs. There's no gunshots. They're just... Because a lot of them are written off as, uh, just like you said... Drownings. Drunken drunken shenanigans and drownings. But uh, people who really believe in this theory maintain that there is a lot of similarity among the victims that cannot be just mere coincidence. So, uh, to the basically saying the serial killer has a type, no different than Ted Bundy with the brunettes, slot yes. builds, or which is uh, typically the case with serial killers. They have a type of victim that they like to uh, like to hunt and kill. One of the smiley faces possible victims was a Westchester University student who disappeared on the streets of Philadelphia during the Thanksgiving holiday in 2014. His name is Shane Montgomery. Shane's body was discovered several days later in the... (laughs) I bet you're going to say this perfect. The charcuterie board? The charcuterie board. No, the Shaquille... The River? (laughs) Okay. The Shaquille River. The Shaquille River. And his death was ruled an accidental drowning by the medical examiner. But, Dylan, the circumstances surrounding his death, who, if he met anyone after leaving a bar at 2 a.m., there's a lot of questions. Like, how did he wind up in the river to begin with? It all remains shrouded in mystery. So he left this bar, ends up dead in the river. Did he encounter someone? I mean, it just doesn't really make sense. Well, I mean, of course people, uh, you know, um, get drunk and screw around around a river, pond, bodies of water, lakes, and die accidentally. That, that's rather common, I would think. But, I mean, uh, it seems to me a bit odd to leave a bar and then go to a river, you know, late at night. I mean, that's just weird to me. It's very weird. I mean, well, it's weird with all of these young men because I've been drunk as hell, but I've never been compelled to go down to the river when I'm drunk. Uh, no. In Philadelphia around Thanksgiving when you know it's cold as hell. Yeah, I mean, it's even even more so, there, there, you typically wouldn't be anywhere near the river. That's just weird. Yeah, it's very strange. So this happened on Thanksgiving and... That is one of our interesting crimes. Do you think the smiley... um, Do you believe that theory? Like, do you think that it's true? Or is it just one of those things where it's so coincidental? Because when you think about, like, a smiley face graffiti, that's very common. Well, and and that's one of uh, what opponents of this theory point out. That's uh, probably one of the most common um, items of graffiti, I would think. But, I mean, uh, still, I mean, it's they've linked many, many cases all over the country uh, in the theory. And uh, it's kind of odd with, uh, I mean, how many young, white college students are going to drown in a body of water where there just happens to be some, you know, smiley face graffiti? Quite a few, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I guess it could happen, but... Uh, you know, oh my God, I think the turkey's got us uh, lethargic. You think so? Yeah. What is that stuff in it? Here is a more recent Thanksgiving crime, and it is 
absolutely haunting. I want to cover this case at length sometime soon, Dylan. But it happened in 2016 in Knoxville, Tennessee. And it started out amicably, like any regular old Thanksgiving day, right? You had a 28-year-old Baton Rouge resident named Joel Michael Guy Jr. who traveled from Baton Rouge, Louisiana back home to Knoxville where he had dinner with his three sisters and his parents. They had the typical Thanksgiving, you know, turkey stuffing. But at the end of the night, the three daughters, who did all live in Tennessee, by the way, went back to their homes. Guy Jr., was left alone with his parents, Joel Guy Sr., age 61, and Lisa Guy, aged 55. And this is when shit hit the fan, Dylan. At some point between Thursday night and Monday afternoon, the Knox County Sheriff's Department claims that Guy Jr. stabbed and dismembered his parents, then attempted to dissolve their bodies in a mix of drain cleaner, sewer cleaner, peroxide, and bleach. My God. He was an undergraduate, I believe at LSU, and was still very financially dependent on his parents. Family members told authorities that his parents had given him the rundown like over this holiday that basically we are going to scale back our support. We're going to cut you off financially. You're 28 years old. It's time to get your shit together. We eventually want to retire and we don't want to be supporting your ass forever. Quit with the education for education's sake. Pretty Finish much. it up. Get a job. Right. Get some direction in your life. So it seems this guy like lost his shit when his parents told him we we're going to cut you off. You know, I, I wasn't dependent on my parents financially or, or, or anything like that, especially at 28. But uh, these uh, these people lose, some people, I should say, lose their shit when their parents threaten to cut them off or write them out of the will or something like that. And I just don't think you should be that dependent, even though it's your parents, on someone else's stuff. You know what I mean? It's like the people who just never leave home and just live in the room where they grew up and wait for their parents to die so they can get the house. Well, he was charged with first-degree murder, two counts of abusing a corpse, and two counts of felony murder. He had no history of mental illness and no prior criminal record. But his attorney did say that he suspected there was like some shame around the money that played a larger role in the killing itself. Like the fact that it wasn't just like, we're going to stop paying your bills, but that they were kind of like, you know, making him feel bad. About, I mean, that's like, Hey, you're a loser, I guess. I don't know. It's a really fucking weird case. (laughs) The whole thing is just mind blowing. And like I said, one day I would like to cover that extensively on a mountain murders episode. Now, would you consider this uh, a situation where someone just had a, a strong emotional reaction to something and kind of just snapped and lost their shit? Possibly. Because, I mean, I guess if it wasn't just about finances and they were uh, some kind of attention, I'm sure it was building long before this over uh, months, maybe years, 28, still at home. And, uh, yeah, but still, I mean, you can't. I just couldn't imagine being that emotionally fragile, but, you know, everyone has their own cross to bear, I guess. He was, like, kind of described by people as being distant and a bit of an outsider. He never really established any relationships with anybody outside of his family. And his mother, Lisa, was said to have, like, doted on him. But he was a pretty smart guy. He went to Louisiana School for Math, Science, and the Arts, um, which is, you know... A pretty awesome school to get into. And then he went on to George Washington University, but he only spent about a semester there. Then he went to LSU and lived in Baton Rouge. He was training to become a plastic surgeon. Oh, wow. So the guy's smart. Like, he's a very intelligent fellow. Ah, so he was familiar with anatomy. Yeah. And yeah, he knew how to attack those joints and dismember his parents. I, I've got to say, I think there was some significant, even if people haven't seen it or noticed it, um, I think it was significant mental issues going on there. Well, the guys had recently sold their home in Knoxville, and they planned to retire to uh, Sir Goinsville. 
Sergoinsville. Sergoinsville. Okay. Or Sergoinsville. See again, I'm totally butchering that. Have no fucking idea how to say that or where that is. Is that by the Shakutri River? It probably is. Okay. Um, but the prosecution did have a handwritten journal that they found in his backpack during the investigation that they brought to trial. That was considered a book of premeditation because it contained very detailed notes outlining his intent to murder his parents and destroy their remains. And one of the pages included the following. It had a note to get carving knives to make small pieces, get sledgehammer, crush bones, bring blender and food grinder, grind meat, Ugh. get plastic bin for denaturization process. Does not matter where they're killed, just get rid of bloody spots to prevent evidence of time and death. So not on the mattresses or couches. Get rid of bodies inside house and their DNA, uh, my DNA already there. Uh, let's see. Flush chunks down toilet, not garbage disposal. Not a good idea. Get plastic sheeting for disposal processes. Um, let's see. He's not alive to claim her half of the insurance money, so it's all mine. He has $500,000 written a note, like a little little note to himself. Flood the house, cover up forensic evidence, turn heater up as high as it goes, which speeds up decomposition. Bleach reacts with luminol just like blood. Douse area with bleach, which is still stupid because they're going to know that, that you bleached it, which means you were getting rid of blood. I mean, come on, dude. So, well, this kind of uh, knocks out the theory I was saying a minute ago. Just snapping mental break. And uh, I mean, but this it, is uh, kind of, but it almost sounds like he did sort of have a. I mean, even though he's like making these notes, he never had issues. It wasn't like he was violent with his parents in the past or anything. Well, I'm saying that 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 leads me leaning toward more towards calculating and just a, a monster who is sick of his parents' shit. And uh, before they can kind of push him out of the nest and, and, you know, go do their, finally live their own life and retire. He was going to kill him and keep everything. So I, I think it casts it in a different light. I mean, granted, that's not something a mentally stable person would do. Right. When they apprehended him as a suspect, they found a meat grinder in the trunk of his car. Uh, see the fact that that's depravity. The fact yeah. that you can cut your own parents up, yes. smash their bones, grind the meat. Flushing it down the toilet is a really bad idea. It's a really bad idea. Uh, not long ago, uh, some plumbers called 911 yes. saying that they found a bunch of fleshy, meaty-looking stuff in the sewer pipes. And sure enough, there was someone trying to dispose of a body in, I think it was an apartment complex. Yes. Yeah. That that was very recent. Well, it only took two, um, I'm sorry, it took four days to try him. He was found guilty, sentenced to life in prison. He was also convicted of abuse of a corpse. And he's currently incarcerated at the Northwest Correctional Complex in Tiptonville, Tennessee. And the thing is, Dylan, his sister, said he was totally fine at Thanksgiving dinner. See, even more so, even scarier, that he know he has planned this out. Psychopath. He's planned this out. He's waiting for his opportunity. And obviously his parents were the um, target of his uh, aggression, and his sisters were not, so he let them go. Yeah, I think this guy's a monster. Yeah, well, he's just a, a freak. You should look at his picture. I'm just going to say that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's got crazy eyes. What's his name? Joel Guy Jr. Joel Guy Jr. Yeah. That sounds like a serial killer's name. You think so? Don't you think? Yes. Okay, so I have another one for us, Dylan, that is so very bizarre. This takes place in... Fort, I'm sorry, not Fort Worth, Lake Worth, Texas. The Blunt family were returning from a Thanksgiving outing in 1985 when 15-year-old daughter Angela found a briefcase on the porch of their mobile home. When she opened it, the briefcase exploded, killing Angela, her dad, Joe, her cousin, whose name was Michael Columbus. 
Ten years later, a man named Michael Tony was convicted of the crime, but his conviction was overturned because the prosecution withheld evidence that contradicted witness testimony that actually exonerated Tony. Now, some have speculated that the Blunts weren't the intended the intended targets. I will be able to speak at some point today. The intended targets of this bombing, but that the device was probably left for someone else, maybe like a neighbor. But there's never been evidence produced in this case. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. That really gives them any answers. So it just remains a total mystery what happened. Oh my God. Now, is that not fucking scary? Well, to yeah. come home and you find a suitcase bomb? Bombs are scary. Yeah, that's pretty uh, An explosive device capable of uh, maiming or especially killing is a very scary thing. And, and that's why I think, uh, you know, mail bombs and things like that and uh, the Unabomber, why that really catches people's kind of attention, you know, the nation's attention. Look, my computer's slow as Christmas. Joel God Jr. looks like a wackadoodle. Okay. Yeah, I know. He's got crazy eyes. He he has his mug shot. He's got like Katy Perry crazy eyes. He looks crazy. They got a spit shield on him in in, in court, unless that was during COVID, which I don't think it was. And uh, he looks like he did not have luck with the ladies. I'm going to say it. And uh, yeah, I think Joel was a monster. Yeah, he his eyes just really freak me out. Now, if you found, well, in this day and age, it'd be even easier to sneak a package bomb in on somebody. How many of us are used to coming home and, and there's a surprise package there from Amazon or something? Think about it. All you got to do is wrap it up in Amazon, get some Amazon tape, put it in a cardboard box. Shh. Don't give people ideas. They don't need ideas. Don't that was like that guy, what is B- Bjork? Was that the singer? Bjork? Bjork. Yeah. You ever heard, you, you remember that guy who was obsessed with her? I do remember she had a stalker. He created a device that would, when she opened it, would, uh, if I'm not mistaken, stick her and inject her with like AIDS blood or something to that effect. Yeah. I mean, how scary is that? That's insane. We need to check, double check and make sure that's a fact. Okay. Well, I, I see where this is going. Well, I'm just saying. I you, mean, you think I'm lying? Well, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's true. You want to bet money on it? Um, fifty bucks right now. You don't even have fifty bucks right now. I do now. have fifty bucks. <laughs> I can go get fifty bucks. <laughs> I bet you can. Oh, I, I, as long as I owe you, you'll never be broke. That is such a Dylan thing. To I can say. owe people it's for such years. a Dylanism. Okay, you little broke ass bitch. Actually, you're not broke because if you remember, one of our listeners sent you a dollar through PayPal. Yeah, for Jolly Ranchers and Beans. Yeah, thanks, Nathan. Thank you, Nathan. New Orleans-based rapper Soldier Slim. Have you heard of this person? I've heard the name. Soldier Slim? I'm I don't even know fam- who that is. I'm not familiar well, with his, his work. his name was James Tapp, and he was allegedly on the verge of superstardom when his life was cut short by a gunman on Thanksgiving evening back in 2003. They did have a suspect who claimed he'd been hired to kill Tap for $10,000. But the case was dropped due to a lack of witnesses. So Tap's murder remains officially unsolved, including the identity of the person who hired the alleged hitman. So he did have a song. Okay, he had the song Slow Motion, which was a collaboration with Juvenile. 
So, okay, I know who this guy is. Is that slow work it for me? Yeah. Slow work it for me. It's like slow motion for me. Yeah. Is it slow motion for me? Baby, the song is called Slow Motion. It's not called Slow Work It. Why well, do you I, make it? He has this horrible habit of like making up song lyrics that are absolutely not the lyrics. And I'm like, where do you even come up with this shit? And you're like, oh, no, it's just how it plays out in my brain. Well, that's what I heard. That's what I heard. Well, it became a Billboard number one hit six months after he was killed. Oh, so he was killed back then. 2003, babe. Okay. Yeah. So he didn't make it. You know, there's a lot of rappers getting killed now. And some people believe they're being sacrificed. Or some people believe they're manifesting their death by rapping about shooting and killing and such. Yeah, there are some conspiracy theories floating around out there. Uh, the recent death of Takeoff, part of the Migos. Ah, uh, yes. There's some conspiracy theories about that. Yeah, and there was that dude who had like $2 million or a $1 million worth of jewelry on, and he was at like the chicken shack in the hood with his wife. I mean, I appreciate him trying to keep it real, but maybe you shouldn't have a $1 million in jewelry on out in public. Just saying. Right. Um, okay, I followed up. Bjork Stalker tried to kill her with an acid letter bomb. Okay. And so, he looks like a maniac. So not AIDS. See, I knew that didn't sound right to me, Dawn. Well, you know what? That would be like even... Uh, That's why we need a fact check, because I was like, that is not true. Well... And I remember she had a stalker, but I don't think that's the way it went down. Okay, he looks super crazy, for one. And for two, an acid letter bomb's scary, too. That's pretty scary. Did you just open it and sprays acid in your face? Yeah. Yeah, it's but not okay. what if like a little arm come out, like a little mechanical arm is like, beep. What is this, like the jo- AIDS needle? The Joker? Yeah. Like the Joker sending this? Yeah, he's like, let me, you know how I got these scars. It's from a letter bomb. Is that as a decent Heath Ledger Joker? You are no Heath Ledger, sir. Man, it's a shame that, uh, it's a shame you died. He was one beautiful man. And I was really looking forward to the Joker solo, like, it would have been more than just a movie. I would volunteer to lick cake frosting off his body. <laughs> it was... The Dark Knight may be the best comic book movie ever. He had a great ass. And it was because of him. Those brown eyes. It was because of the Joker. God, he was hot. Damn it, he. <laughs> Why did you accidentally overdose? I really just love to fuck with you. Quit taking but the pills, bro. He was pretty. Well, you know what? We have a missing person who disappeared on thanksgiving dylan so let's talk about this it was thanksgiving day 1997 when karen marie mitchell disappeared from eureka california she was off from school for the day because of course it was a holiday and she left her job and stopped by a shoe store owned by her aunt who was also her legal guardian uh, annie casper Karen visited with her aunt, and then she headed home because she was getting ready for the holiday, but she never made it there. A witness claims that he saw Karen get into a blue car driven by an older man shortly after leaving the mall where her aunt worked. But this man has never been identified. They did have two high-profile suspects um, that they were sort of looking into as far as this case goes. The first was a convicted murderer named Wayne Adam Ford, who fit the witness's description of Karen's kidnapper. And though he did confess to several murders, he denied any involvement in Karen's case. And so police were never able to tie him to the crime. And the second suspect, Dylan, was Robert Durst. Wow. The subject of the HBO documentary, The Jinx. Durst appears to have visited Casper's store several times and was in Eureka the day Karen disappeared. But, like the first suspect, police have been unable to link Durst to the crime. So, we still don't know what happened to Karen. Really sad. Yeah, that is real sad to happen, uh, especially on a holiday, you know, because everyone's going to always connect that tragedy to the holidays. And uh, it would just be terrible, I I guess we've said this before, for someone to just disappear. Yes. You never know what happened. You never have any closure. Well, my cousin's been missing for a year now. You'll always wonder what happened, you know, if uh, they were, you know, kept captive or tortured or any number of horrible things. These are the things that run through my mind every day. You know, it has officially been a year since my cousin disappeared. And I must say, there were some uh, 
fairly disturbing rumors. Now, they could have, in a small town like this especially, just been rumors. But, you know, uh, sometimes there's grains of truth in these rumors. And there were some disturbing things being said about her and what happened to her. Exactly. But, you know, there's not a day goes by that I don't think about her. And then I don't open my phone to check news stories and they, you know, they found a body and then I'm immediately like, oh my gosh, is it her? And go read the article. And, you know, I'm constantly checking to see if there's been any update in her case, but nothing. And, you know, it's, it's hard to live with that. Um, and I, I mean, I can't imagine what these other families go through because, you know, this is their, their daughter, their child, their sister, but it's like something that, you know, I think about it every day. Like what happened to her? Because how do people just vanish? It happens. No trace. It happens. And obviously when and it's they're infuriating to think people might know something and don't come forward with that information. Yeah. Because uh, someone out there knows something. I mean, you typically there has to be someone who knows something unless someone disappeared themselves, which people do it, but that's got to be very rare for someone to walk away from their life and never speak to friends or family or anyone ever again. And then, of course, you get into the fact that their social security numbers never accessed again or used anywhere or their money or, you know, if credit cards and such are never used again. I mean, that's just obvious sign of uh, foul play. Well, that's the line they um, the law enforcement locally has been trying to feed us this narrative. um, And they fed that narrative to the media that my cousin just walked away from her life. Yeah, but yeah, because she, you know, she did have some pending pending, trouble with the law. She was in trouble with the law and had some pending charges and they act like she just fled. But the thing is, she doesn't really have any. We're very small family, both of. You know, my, my aunt was married to her father. My, my aunt is dead. Her dad is dead. So like the two people who were her parents essentially are gone. She has one sister. They're not, they're estranged. She doesn't have people to like house her, send her money. Or the means to just Protecting her for a year. It's not like she has friends all over the world that could be hiding her. Right. You know, and the fact that there has been no activity. I mean, it just makes you think the worst. So when cops are like, oh, well, I think she just she just picked up and left. It's like, no, she didn't. Come on. Look, no, most people don't fucking just pick up and leave. It's ridiculous. From through your research and Mount Murders over the years about local stories and from what we've heard and seen, um, this is a good place to make someone disappear because I've got to say, Typically, the cops are pretty lazy around here when it comes to some kind of tough investigation. And God forbid, if you've ever used drugs or had any run-ins with the law, they will write you off in a heartbeat. Because there has been more than one person found here dead in very suspicious circumstances. There was a fella who was found dead maybe a year or two ago. Multiple people have been found dead in In, creeks. In creeks. Yes. yes, and the one, I'm not going to say his name, out of respect to friends and family that may have known him, but the one gentleman was found uh, as, as much when you were, actually, it crossed my mind when you were describing the smiley face uh, death right there, cold weather, and, and here, like the water and stuff, you're not going to get anywhere, unless it's the middle of July, you're not getting in this water, because here, we're Headwaters County, it's literally coming in a down and out of mountains, ice cold. I mean, it'll take your breath in July. So you're not definitely not going to be messing around the water in fall, winter, what an early spring. He was found in, in a creek and cut off shorts, and that's it from what I'm to understand. I mean, and of course, he'd had lots of trouble with the law, bit of a hellraiser, you know, known to use drugs, and they just write it off. They just write you off. And I don't agree with that. I don't care if someone's even an asshole or, you know, has caused problems. They still deserve for their death to be properly investigated. Everybody deserves that. Unless they're a child molester, a rapist, or a a cold-blooded murderer, then they're pieces of shit. But Well, even we we all need to, I mean, we all still need to know how they died. Oh, well, I'm saying I would be glad those people are dead. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
But just because someone is a hellraiser, trouble with the law, use drugs, I hate that. They do it all the time in testimony. All they got to do is say you smoke pot and just all of a sudden the jury, you could have the most credible, uh, detailed story that you've never changed for, you know, many, many interviews. And as soon as they point out that you've been arrested for drugs or something, they're like, oh, well, you know what? I've done drugs in the past and I, I remembered shit. You know what I mean? I mean, if you're blackout drunk or something, maybe not. But just because you're doing drugs doesn't mean you what you're lying. It doesn't automatically make you a Well, just because you did drugs 20 years ago doesn't mean that you're a piece of shit today and you're not worthy of consideration or justice. It's ridiculous. I agree. And and it happens a lot here. It's happened in... Oh, it happens a lot. More than one of the local cases we've uh, covered. uh, The man there in the motel room in Maggie Valley. Very suspicious circumstances. Very suspicious circumstances. How is Thomas Wesley Harden? How he was found. The, the mattress pulled over him. Um, uh, witnesses saying that they saw other men there and stuff, and they just swept it under the rug and ignored it. And it pisses me off because there's never any accountability. There's never any accountability for authority, prosecutors, investigators who do a bad or, or do the wrong thing. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. So something else has bothered me, and then we'll get back to our Thanksgiving crimes. This is some fucking bullshit. Three, four, five years ago, I think it might have been just before I met you, they found a body (laughs) in a drainage, like, pipe area by some restaurants in town. Like, right in the middle of fucking town. In the middle of a parking lot. And they were very, you know, hush-hush about the details, but... I know people who know some people who know some people that said like, you know, this, there was like a decapitation type of thing and like missing stuff. And it had been there for some time. It was like skeletal, very, very suspicious death. You never heard another fucking word about it. No follow up at all. No follow up. Not even to say we don't, we tried to find out something. We couldn't find anything out. And this body. Or like. We think this person died of natural causes. And, and animals scattered the remains. For whatever reason, laid there for some years and nobody ever noticed. I I don't think you can express how public this spot was to people. It's literally like on a main thoroughfare, what we call Grease Alley, because it's where literally like every fast food restaurant in town is located on the strip. Yeah, there's basically... Gas station, grocery store, it's super public. Ditch kind of a hole in the middle of a parking lot, basically, where everybody, if not daily, weekly, was went past. And it blew my mind that some, no matter how they expired or, or were killed, that a body was there and just decomposed away without anyone noticing. Well, that's the thing. I don't think that it was there and decomposed away. I, I feel think like the skeletal remains were placed there after the fact. That's what I think. There's no way... Someone would have investigated. But it's really interesting to me that, like, nothing's ever been mentioned again about it. Now, we have country folk around here, and when they they smell something dead, they go look and see what the hell it is. They want to see if it's a deer, a possum, coon, whatever. Someone would have found that body if it was a whole body. Oh, well, if it had been, there's a fucking giant parking lot right there next to a restaurant. Where everybody and their mama goes, I don't know why it's a shitty restaurant, but that place is busy as hell. So you tell me that if there was a smell of decomposition 
which is a very distinct smell, by the way. I have learned this through my job at the mortuary. Uh, there is no denying that is a smell of death, right? I have a hard time believing that any patrons of this restaurant could smell that smell, Leonard Skinner style, that smell, and not try to check it out. Ooh, that smell. Yes. Yeah. So I, I agree. I, 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 my, think, I totally think somebody brought these bones and left them. I think someone disposed of the bones there. Yep. Agreed. And it would be very easy as Ralph an interstate. And uh, it'd be very easy for someone not from the area to pop off there and notice this kind of a pretty, you know, good size hole ditch in the middle of this parking lot. So it'd be very easy to park by that and just toss those remains in there. Yeah. But again, you never hear a fucking thing about it. Nope. No identity. No nothing. They don't follow up on the cool stuff. Hell, they barely follow up on anything. There was some chaotic shit happening outside today. I am in the comforts of my home, and I hear screaming and hollering, and I was like, what is that? And, of course, my kids are like, what is going on? I go to the window. I look out the dining room, and down in the street below our house is a domestic situation, if I've ever seen one. This guy this woman was just beating the shit out of this guy and he's trying his hardest to get away from her and he's yelling at her like leave me alone you can hit me i'm not getting in the car with you while she's screaming you get your ass back in the car and then she's like in the car trying to run him over she's just driving up on the sidewalk she does like a u-turn in the road which is we live off a busy street uh i mean just chaotic man pulling in people's driveways backing out almost hitting cars trying to chase this guy down and he's like trying to get away from her like, all around this little, like, area here. I mean, just insane. Cops come. They don't do anything. They just break them up. I'm pretty much pretty much uh, sure they just sent them on their way. And, and you know, I'm sorry. I'm and I'm sorry. like, this woman was causing chaos. A menace to society. She absolutely needed to go to jail. And I'm sorry. This is one of those situations where if that was the man was doing that, he would his ass would have been took straight to jail. And I, I never advocate hitting women, but what do, what are your feelings when a woman's actively attacking a man? What are your feelings? If if you've seen that guy, she's on him, trying to beat him up, all this, won't let him go away. If trying you, to hit him with her car. If you've seen him haul off and hit her, what would your reaction be? You better run, because when she gets in that car, you dead. You say she was much larger than him, right? He was a very small guy. All the more reason. A very small fellow, slight. Do you think men have the right to defend themselves when they're being attacked by a woman by striking her? This is a pointed question. Uh, I mean, it's a fly or fight instinct, bro. But I almost feel like he could just take off running and get away from her. Oh. Because they were they were outside the vehicle at the time. So he, he could have taken off. Instead of hitting her, he could have ran. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Well, I think he has the right to defend himself. But then that bitch get in the car again. I mean, she was trying to run his ass over. Well, see, that's that's crazy. It was crazy. I think he has the right to defend himself. I'm not saying anyone should beat anyone's ass, male or female. But, uh, you know, I mean, if you got to, like, create a little space so you can get the hell away. You know, that's the worst thing for anyone to do to someone. When you're arguing like that and it's getting really heated and they're just trying to leave, get away, go in another room... And to follow them and just continue it. I don't do that. It's the worst. I can't handle that. Shit. That does not work for me. That does not work for me either. When I'm mad, I'm like, leave me alone. And I mean it. Right. And you're like one of the first people I've ever met who actually does that. So thank you. Well, no. I'm, yeah. Well, <laughs> at that point, I know it's for my, because at the end, it's of in the, my best interest. Well, at the end of the day, we, we don't really like confrontation. No, we both don't really care for confrontation. And we grew up in like a lot of chaos. It's true. You know? So actually while I was watching this today, I was like, Oh, this reminds me of my childhood. <laughs> it's a holiday. Yay. We both will walk away from confrontation. Yeah. And uh, go in other rooms and, and we, we don't argue and fight, which I like, but we have our spats here and there. It's typically when you're a, uh, continually tell me how awesome I am and I just get tired of hearing it sometimes. But we'll we'll just give some space. But I'm I did, sorry, King. I had to learn that because I'm a fixer. I want to fix things. I want to make it better. I want to smooth it out. And I had to learn early on with you that 
when you do need your space, just give her a space. But I've told you that just up front. Sh- I was like, look, here's how I handle conflict. And it, I don't want to stand and yell and scream and go back and forth and fight for six hours no. or whatever. I'm, no. That's not me. So I, I'm going to walk away, go in a room. I want to be left alone until I can calm down and like get my shit together. And I, I was pretty upfront about like, this is what needs to happen. For me. Please, and that, that works leave good. Me, leave me be. It keeps these small spats from turning into uh, something worse. And I think that's a good habit for anyone to get into. But, like, she was not just letting him be? <sighs> Chasing him around. It was wild. I really thought, like, holy shit, I'm going to watch this man get hit by a car. This woman's going to run his ass over right here in the in the middle well, of see, downtown. Well, see, that's just crazy because there's <laughs> all, all kinds of people walk right here, walk their dogs. There's kids. In very you know homes yes. around us who play she was on like the sidewalk in people's driveways, not okay. trying to block him. Mm-mm. I mean, mm. she could yeah, she could hit a pet, a child. It was very irresponsible, and they just let her like let her go. And I'm like, all you had to do is go get somebody's ring camera footage and see how wackadoodle she was acting. Anyway. <sighs> Another missing persons case, Dylan, and then we'll wrap it up for our Thanksgiving crimes today. On Thanksgiving Day in 1977, a six-year-old named Bethlyn Barr was walking home from school in Wil- Wilkinsburg, Pennsylvania. She was going to spend the holidays with her family, but she never arrived home. Her dad was a cop, so the police immediately, you know, go into action when she didn't come home. But they could never find this child. Just gone. Yeah. That's that's scary. A witness later reported seeing the young girl being carried to a blue sedan driven by an older white man. And the car was traced back to a local rental agency. But the agency's record showed the car had not been loaned out that day. So it is possible that the perpetrator had stolen the car for this crime, and then returned it back to this rental agency before anybody noticed it was gone. Oh, my God. It sounds like an abduction, a child killer. That's what it sounds like. Well, they did find her remains about two years later in an unmarked shallow grave near Monroeville, Pennsylvania. She had been stabbed several times in the chest, but they've still never solved this crime. The identity of the killer remains unknown. Oh, my God. Those are literal monsters hunting children. And that is so scary. It is very scary. So scary. And they say they don't have long when these type of people get the kids because they have no intention of keeping them alive. They just want to do whatever horrid shit they want to do to them and murder them. It's crazy. It's horrible. And oftentimes these people will have had a criminal history of molestation and then they end up in jail because they leave the kid alive. And then they decide, well, next time I won't leave any witnesses. They keep getting those little slaps on the wrist, not taken seriously. See, that's what I'm saying. They give them chance after chance. Yeah. Molesting a child, and we can put it in age tiers for severity, which you I don't mean think minor you should. attracted persons? <clears throat> yeah, whatever. Those people should be smacked right through the face. We're not going to normalize. We're not going to worry about pedophiles' feelings. I don't give a fuck, okay? Not going to do it. They, your first offense should be 20, 30 years in jail, okay? Hands down. You know, it's, it's funny. They have all this mandatory minimum sentencing tied to drugs, right? But these molesters and rapists and shit like that, they just keep getting uh, brushes with the law and and barely getting anything. Ten months, two years, well, or get 12 years and you're out in two. It's exactly like the case we've been covering of Jeffrey Dahmer. It is. The guy's a sexual predator. Obviously. He's been busted multiple times and always manages to get away. All he had to do was say is to bring up the gay thing. And the cops literally are, oh, God, you know. And even if you're uncomfortable around gay people, back then it was, you know, more common to not understand it and be, you're, you're still a cop. You still got to protect people. Do they, Dylan? Well, they should. <laughs> 
Well, maybe they need to hear that from you. Maybe so. Maybe they'll listen to this. And like, like maybe today you should have talked to those cops out there instead of like letting that lady get back in her car and drive away like a maniac. They should have taken her ass to jail. Maybe they did. You don't think they did? I don't think they did. Okay. Which was very disappointing. Okay. So that was a little tasty treat here on this Thanksgiving Eve. Some Thanksgiving crimes for your holiday listening. Now I've really tried to line up Heather for us to have the right moment to do a tipsy Thanksgiving. It didn't happen this year, but maybe, just maybe, we could do a sauced Christmas. Right? A sauced Christmas. Yeah, we need to do that, man. That, that'd be like a blast from the past. Okay. Don't you think so? Possibly. Yes. I'll think about it. And if you're new to listening to Mountain Murders, if you dig back through the archives... I'll marinate in it. And... There is a tipsy Thanksgiving and a, a drunky Christmas back there in the history. So, yeah, go find that. Heather is not very proud of those episodes. Oh, my gosh. But I think I am proud of them. Because I think it gives you a glimpse of uh, the real us. They're you comedy know, gold. That's we for were sure. uh, vulnerable. <laughs> Is that what we're calling? We were it? screaming. We were on like a thirty dollar lavalier or lapel mics and a borrowed laptop. It is. Uh, it's great. It's great. We've come a long ways. We have. Yeah, baby, Virginia Slim. <laughs> I'm gonna start calling you that. All right. So I hope everyone had a great uh, Turkey Day. And we will be back this weekend with a new episode of Mountain Murders. We will be bringing you part two of the Jeffrey Dahmer story. Damn it, Dahmer. Damn it, Dahmer. Man, I feel bad for anyone who has like a Dahmer last name. Yeah, they probably changed it by now. You think so? Yeah. Infamous. In Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess it's true for any of them. There's got to be Gacy's and Bundy's out there, right? I would just change my name to Munson. I'd rather I'd rather be Munsoned. You'd rather be Munsoned in the middle of nowhere. Yes. Kingpin exactly. reference people. Exactly. Okay. All righty. Okay. Bye. Bye.